The Start On Demand. On demand. We've noticed on social media that more people are baking lately to pass the time. What are you doing to keep yourself busy during the... We've noticed on social media that more people are baking of late to keep themselves busy during this pandemic. What are you doing during your downtime to stay busy? We'll talk about the digital divide and how this pandemic has proven how crucial a strong cell and internet network is because for a lot of people, it is weak. We'll tell you about something called the Winnipeg Ventilator, which has gotten the green light. And 93% of households have one of these, and it's almost always in the kitchen. What is it? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, April 3rd podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Forte, McNabb, what was the conversation yesterday as it pertained to sourdough? It went like this from our global colleague, Brittany Greenslade. She said, we need to talk about why everybody seems to be baking during this pandemic and why it also seems that everyone is making sourdough, which led to like a litany of responses from all our co-workers at both Global and Radio with people talking about how they can't find flour anywhere. <laughs> Someone's already finished their 10 kilogram bag of flour. Uh, then recipes came popping in. Julie Buckingham had to send yeast over to her mom's house because her mom wanted to keep baking. And so we wondered hey, are our listeners baking more? Are you guys baking more? Or you've just picked up other habits to help pass the time for a comfort. So Kelly, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, and, and I just want to say, because the man sitting across from me at a reasonable distance is the last one who would ever give himself a pat on the back. But this morning I got hung up on a snow drift right outside of the radio station. And this guy left his workplace to come and help get uh, me out of a jam. So Brett McGarry, you are the ace of spades, my friend. Uh, as far as baking is concerned, uh, <laughs> I defer to my wife, Matt. Oh, Matt, she'd been baking up a storm. She usually has to a lesser degree, but uh, she made this killer recipe. It's brownies and then with peanut butter, and then there's a chocolate topping on there. Oh, wow. Yeah, we actually, she actually had to send a couple uh, chunks of it home with her daycare kids because it was way too much for us. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like quite the Oh, it's, it's the sugar fix, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Jeff Braun. No, I haven't been baking at all. I've, I'm terrible at baking. I make cookies once every five years, and they turn out awful, and then I have to eat three dozen of them. So <laughs> I've just been... I've actually been eating quite a bit healthier than I normally would, just because I can't run out and get something on a whim, which is usually you know what does me in as far as fast food and that sort of thing goes. So I might lose weight through all this, question mark. I'm also sitting around a lot more, so maybe not. <laughs> so is that that's the weird behavior then the fact that you you're eating healthier yeah good for you man that's good mm -hmm. yeah that's some, some discipline because i am not eating healthier what about you greg yeah i was going to echo uh jeff's sentiments i have not had a coca-cola a soda pop of any kind in 21 days wow. since last friday i haven't had a cheeseburger 
and uh, I'm craving it but not missing it, if you know what I mean. And so my eating habits have taken a dramatic turn for the better. So uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. I've stopped putting milk in my tea. It's kind of a weird thing. I'm rationing the milk even though we have no problem <laughs> getting milk. I just figure, you know, I've got growing boys in the house. I want the milk to last as long as possible. But I have a question about this baking that everybody's doing. If you're baking... Does that not mean you're eating said baking? Isn't that posing some other problems? Not if you share. Oh, Kelly, you're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. Trust me, it's just a cover. <laughs> oh, I figured it was a cover, but uh, we figured we'd go with it. What about you, McNabb? Are you baking? I actually put on the list uh, for my last click and collect chocolate chips. So I did some cookies with the kids. And then I phoned my grandmother a couple of days ago. She's 95 and used to make such great biscuits. So I asked her for a recipe, but I haven't done it yet. But I'm for sure, I think there's something about the comfort of it, like the smell of mm. things cooking in the oven, especially baked goods is what maybe is driving some of this. And for sure, I'm craving more things like pasta and like those comfort foods. I think... I don't know. I'm I'm throwing. I am not eating healthier. Let me just say that. And I, it's hard because you're trying to. It's it's pretty much the only thing I have to look forward to in the sense of entertainment, right? Like, ooh, what are we gonna do for supper tonight? Or ooh, what activity can I do with the kids? And I think that's something. I think that's got something to do with it. Text message at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight from Kristen, who says, "I am already a baker, so when it came to finding a new hobby, I decided this would be a great time to learn pyrography, which is uh, wood burning art." And she says, "Had a kit in my Amazon cart ready to go, but then I went and ordered a Nintendo Switch instead <laughs> because priorities." By the way, we're going to actually talk about video games coming up at eight forty five. The World Health Organization is saying to play video games during the pandemic, even though they previously described video game addiction as an actual mental health disorder. Jeff Forte, didn't you say you wanted to start baking? No, I said I want to improve my cooking skills. Oh, it's okay. It's, my, my cooking skills are crap. Okay. Like, like for me, it's it's mostly like frozen food or canned food that I'm eating right now. So it's uh, it's not good. Okay. It's not good at all. Well, you wouldn't have time to, to do the baking anyway because you're probably too busy getting baked. So. Well, you know. Oh. <laughs> wow. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we've had a lot of listeners asking us to post the email that we read yesterday from Chris, whose wife is a nurse. So I've posted the email and the uh, audio version of that on our 680 CJOB Facebook page. If you want to have a look at that, you can read the email or listen to it or do both. You'll find that on our 680 CJOB Facebook page. It was also read, the email had also been sent to Chief Nursing Officer Lynette Siragusa, who read it during yesterday's provincial update as well. So that is wonderful that it got that kind of attention. This week, we've talked about nursing homes using video chats to help the elderly connect connect with their loved ones, entire offices being run by conference calls from employees' living rooms and video classes for students. I think it's safe to say, clearly with both uh, Greg and I working at home, that technology in our homes is more important than ever, but it's also highlighting a real digital divide in this province and country. So not everyone knows how to use many of the tools that might help for their jobs, but more than that, many Canadians don't own a computer or even have access to the internet, Greg. 
Yeah, distinct have and have nots on this front. As our next guest put in a letter to her clients, quote, this crisis has great potential to exacerbate inequality on many fronts. Margot Miller is the program director at Tech Manitoba and joins us once again. Good to have you back on the show, Margot. Hi, good morning. So now more than ever, we are seeing just how essential internet and technology is. I think there was some question in some people's minds about whether or not this is essential service, but there are huge gaps in services across the country. When we talk about Canadians without access to the internet at all, how many people are we talking? Yeah, so across Canada, there's about 13% of our population that currently do not have a home internet subscription. And more than that, who in our, when we just look at our rural areas, the numbers get pretty high. So in the last CRTC report, it's about 40% of rural areas that don't have a strong internet connection. Yeah, and even when there is internet or cell service, we know for some it can be sketchy at best. So what are you hearing from the people you're working with on the challenges this is posing? Yeah, so certainly right now, especially with everything going on with the pandemic in the world, um, if you if you don't have a computer at home or you don't have a strong internet connection, you're potentially left behind in many ways. That's how most of us right now are receiving timely health information, access to government services, EI and things like that that we might need. Our government right now has done a great job of pivoting and putting services online. But I think that piece that we're forgetting is that that we're making an assumption when we do that, that we all know how to use digital tools or have that broadband access. And in reality, there's many Canadians who don't. And so those services aside, also just that social connection, right? Like we could do video calls, you and I, and still feel as though you're kind of connected to someone by seeing their face. If you don't have that functionality, that social isolation is taken to another level as well. And it's going to pose big problems, Margot, because we know next week teachers are going to be sending out uh, curriculum and different books that they want the kids to get going on as we try to get through the school year. A lot of the divisions will be looking at technology to help with that, but not everybody has access to that, as you say. Same goes for elderly and nursing homes who might not even have an iPad or even internet to try to reach out to loved ones and vice versa. And so when you say inequality, what, what can we do about this at this crucial time? Because it really proves the difference between the haves and the have-nots, as Greg put it. Mm -hmm. In the last decade, the number of internet users in our country has basically tripled. And so we're talking like billions. Um, And so during that time, people have tried to like upskill and get people on all the the skills they need, including teachers. And so there's been training on Microsoft Teams and Google Classroom and things like that. But now basically we've accelerated it to the point of a school or a division that had a plan to continue training their teachers over the course of a few years. Now we're having to essentially do it in the course of a few days. Um, And so what can we do? Well, if you know how to use these programs, you can help people out like directly. That's a very simple way to help, Um, you know, donate devices to someone that you might know if you have an extra one hanging around and with second October right now and computers for schools are accepting donations and we're refurbishing gear to get it out to families in need as well. Um, but on top of that, the bigger issue is actually that we need connectivity, but so there's the access to it. But as far as recommendations, we also need a plan around use of it, especially in rural areas. And they're kind of two different pieces of, of the coin. 
So that's where that digital literacy comes in and this idea of it's all well and good to have a computer at your kitchen table and you may even have the internet, but if you're not fluent in, in how to operate it and get the most out of that device, it's it's just a giant paperweight for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's a few things that we still need to do as far as developing benchmarks, monitoring tools and how people are using broadband when they do get access to it. If you think of a rural or remote area who maybe only got that connectivity in the last couple of years, um, not everyone will have raced to go and learn how to use it because they had been living life for so long without it. And so this geography and rurality itself is a barrier. Can people reach out to you if they want to maybe donate some technology for those who need it? Yes, absolutely. Um, so they can donate directly to Computers for Schools. They're at 18 Terracon Place. And they're open every day from 8.30 to 4.30. And if you don't want anyone to, you know, touch your stuff, you can literally pop your trunk. They'll take it out the back for you. Or you can give them a call in advance, let them know you're leaving it outside the door since we now have a snowfall. Um, but uh, you can also, if you want to nominate someone who needs a computer, you can go to our website at techmanitoba.ca slash digital. So digital with two L's. You know, Margo, I was joking uh, with you yesterday. You, I, I asked you to come on to the program this morning to our show. And then you just said, if you don't mind, send me a meeting invite. And I said, I have no idea how to do that. And that's a simple step, but it goes to show, you know, I, I would consider myself, I don't know, moderately would even be too generous, but there, there is a gap here. And if, when, when we get through this, what's the next conversation we need to have? And we have about 30, 45 seconds here, but what's the next step that needs to be taken immediately to, to, to prove that we're taking this as an essential service seriously? Yeah, I think increasing high-speed broadband coverage, especially in our remote, rural, and northern regions, is paramount. We've got schools in northern Manitoba right now who the idea of putting things online for classes is literally impossible. Like, their broadband speed is just not fast enough. So we need to encourage our government and our internet providers and everyone to come together and form a plan because individually we can't cover all of those little areas because the money's not there, right? It doesn't, it doesn't go to the top of the list for our providers to really hit right now. Margo Miller, Program Director at Tech Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you for this, Margo. Yes, thanks for having me. Greg, what is happening with your friends, our friends at St. Boniface Hospital Foundation? Well, you know, Brett, in a general sense, in the face of this largest public health crisis any of us have ever seen, many organizations are leaping into action and supporting critical efforts to help keep us safe and healthy. To support urgent needs of St. Boniface Hospital as the province prepares for and addresses the spread of COVID-19, the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation has established a COVID-19 response fund. The Mega Million Choices Lottery just wrapped up a couple weeks ago, and of course Manitobans stepped up again. Thank you for that. And the foundation is stepping up to work closely with the hospital to ensure funds are made available immediately for the areas of greatest need in the hospital itself. And here to tell us more about uh, all these initiatives is President and CEO of the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, Vince Barletta. And Vince, thank you so much for coming on because this is really just a manifestation of the many things we've always been talking about with you, the extra dollars when they're needed most. Well, that's exactly right. You know, I I think that this this, uh, pandemic that we're facing is something that nobody could have anticipated 
uh, you know, only a, a few months ago, really where uh, countries around the world would be and where our healthcare facilities would be. You know, we're seeing it continue to grow uh, here in Manitoba and all hospitals are getting ready to meet the challenge and are meeting the challenge and uh, support from our donors and support from the community is an incredible part of how we're going to get through this crisis. So, uh, Vince, uh, you and I have spoken for years about this idea of, of donors uh, coming to the forefront in times of need and and the foundation helping the hospital with areas of greatest need. And I mentioned it in the in your introduction there, but maybe an explanation on that, and maybe you could give us an incredible example of how the foundation has has really jumped into action and just in the last handful of days to give an actual piece of equipment that was basically perhaps on the shopping list, but now is a reality for those in the emergency department. Well, that's right, Greg. You know, you mentioned uh, St. Boniface Hospital Foundation has established a COVID-19 response fund, a a donor-supported fund to meet the most urgent needs of the hospital uh, around COVID-19 preparedness. We did purchase a piece of equipment thanks to that generosity. Uh, That is a Butterfly IQ handheld ultrasound device This is really state-of-the-art handheld ultrasound technology for allowing lung ultrasounds, particularly in the emergency department uh, where people are coming in. They may be showing symptoms uh, of a COVID-19 type of infection or or other health issues. Quickly, uh, those tests can be performed uh, uh, through a lung ultrasound. This piece of equipment as well, it's much easier to clean uh, than, uh, than traditional pieces of equipment as well. So... We're really happy we're able to do that. But you know what? That fund is supporting so many other projects because the reality is, Greg, and I think as you all know, we have COVID-19, but life goes on at the hospital. St. Boniface Hospital continues to perform cardiac surgeries, continues to support families through the Women and Child Program. Children continue to be born. And so many other medical programs continue to, uh, to take place, including through our NICU Uh, We had another generous donor support a hotel stay for a uh, young mother who needs to spend about a month from out of town, needs to spend a month with us at St. B in the NICU, was going to stay at Ronald McDonald House, but because of COVID-19, Ronald McDonald House now has had to have uh, changes there. She's not able to stay at that facility. We're putting her up in a hotel through the generosity of our donors. So you know what? There are so many ways that donors can support COVID-19 preparedness and readiness at St. Boniface Hospital. And I certainly encourage all of you to go and have a look at our website, stbhf.ca. Find out more about COVID-19 or any other program running at St. Boniface Hospital. We also understand the foundation is helping with a food program for healthcare workers. Tell us about that. Well, that's exactly right. You know, uh, you got a lot of workers running very long shifts, uh, and we want to make sure they're well-fed and, and healthy as they can be. Uh, so we we are asking restaurateurs, other food service establishments, if you want to be part of bringing food down to the hospital, uh, certainly give us a call at St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, 204-237-2067, or visit our website to find out more information. We've got the criteria for how you need to have that food package so we can make sure it gets distributed out uh, to uh, to those healthcare workers around the hospital. I know they sure do appreciate it, and, and we can't thank enough those restaurateurs and others who, in spite of hard times themselves, are, are coming down and, and giving that generosity uh, to, uh, to our health care workers all around St. Pete.
there's the big things like the technology that's needed. There's the little things like the meals you just mentioned, which actually isn't so little if you're working long shifts. Then there's the, the family you mentioned that it has to be put up in a hotel because they need to stay someplace where their child gets some care. Is that all part of the Well Wishes program or is that something entirely different? Do you have even more things that you guys are doing? Well, we, we do we do have a Well Wishes program, Loren, and you know a, a big part of this story as well that I think often gets forgotten is because of the new protocols that are in place at hospitals like St. Boniface, so many patients who are there for treatment, many of them for longer-term stays, they're isolated from friends, they're isolated from families, they don't have that opportunity to see these people face-to-face, and that's really, that's difficult. It's difficult for the patients and it's difficult for their loved ones as well. So something that we've done also is establish a well-wishes program. Again, go to our website, stbhf.ca, find out more about how you can send well wishes to patients who aren't able to see friends and family in the hospital. But you know what? Uh, Through the generosity, again, of our donors, we've also been able to uh, expand telephone, patient bedside telephone service uh, throughout the hospital so that patients can reach out by phone to friends and family and also work with our healthcare, with our patient bedside television provider, Health Hub, to provide free television service for patients at St. Boniface Hospital through the month of April. So, you know, it's not the same as seeing your friends and family, but a phone call, uh, some entertainment on the television, you know what, that sure goes a long way to, to help make those long days a little bit shorter for our patients. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, you guys. Greg teased something about the Winnipeg couch, Loren. Yeah, and this is linking to our next guest because on the same day yesterday that our planet saw its one millionth case of COVID-19, a piece of equipment which shares part of its name with our city was being touted as a key piece of the treatment puzzle. The single most important piece of mechanical equipment needed in the treatment of those with novel coronavirus is a ventilator. And we've been hearing about a worldwide shortage of ventilators and the actions now being taken by some manufacturers to help reduce that shortage. Yesterday, it was announced that the Winnipeg ventilator had been selected as the ventilator of choice by Next Generation Manufacturing Supercluster. This is known as NGen Canada. To tell us what this all means is Earl Gardner. He is executive chairman of Winnipeg Company. Cerebra, good morning, Earl. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, thanks for sharing this extremely exciting news with us. Uh, In simple terms, what is the Winnipeg ventilator? Well, the, uh, it's interesting that you ask it uh, in that way, um, in simple terms, because the reason that the ventilator has been chosen by NGen is exactly for that reason, that um, it's a, a very simple design. Uh, Dr. Eunice first began this, working on this concept back in the early 90s, and um, at that time, he built um, around 30 uh, of these Winnipeg ventilators. He built them with, uh, with engineers and uh, with some manufacturers in Winnipeg, and um, he circulated those throughout the world to have people do research on them. And um, they were quite successful, and um, he then licensed them to uh, a large American uh, company who uh, then took the core technology that he developed and built them into uh, ventilators that uh, now are, are used all over the world. For those that might not get the, the link here, because we're just getting into the phase where we're seeing more of those serious cases here in Manitoba, the ventilator is crucial simply because people struggle to breathe at the later stages of this 
virus. Is that right? Well, I have to qualify that, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a medical professional, but uh, just fundamentally, the ventilator takes over the role of breathing. And it's, it's, it's much more complex than that. Um, you know, sometimes they, uh, they put people on a ventilator just to um, give them a bit of a, a, a rest from the effort of breathing. And uh, other times it's for, uh, for, for, for more specialized reasons based on what's going on in the lung. So what's next in the process? What happens with this design? And now that it goes to NGEN, what are they planning to do with it, uh, Earl? Yeah. Well, NGEN is really the organization uh, nationally that has put groups of uh, companies together to try to um, um, maximize the, uh, the, the capacity. So that's their role is, is uh, putting, putting companies like ourselves and uh, our, our real strong partner, and this is a company in, in uh, BC called Starfish Medical Device. So they, they put these clusters together and, uh, and they provide the funding to, to uh, get the work done. So we're working uh, literally around the clock um, in trying to take Dr. Eunice's um, core um, technology and uh, modernize it. So, you know, 30 years ago, the dial that, that turned up the pressure um, looks quite different than the dials that are used now. So really trying to, uh, to modernize it and, um, and ensure that we have the correct supply chain behind the the device to be able to ensure that we can make large numbers and, and do them quickly. How, how big of a large number are we talking? You know, um, right now I'll just I'll just give you the number that um, that, the, that the, I think it's the Minister of Innovation uh, Mr. Baines has, has quoted which is they're looking for 4,000 but um, there's also been numbers in Canada quoted at 10,000 you will have listened to the news. Just the state of New York is looking for thirty thousand. Just just one state. Um, so it's a um, it's a really it's a really big number. And um, um, so we're 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 I think our 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 plan in terms of supply chain. You know I think we're really focused on what if we had to make ten thousand. Uh, so it's it's a big number. Earl, this is obviously incredibly uh, important work. Uh, one of the advantages, as I understand it, is that uh, this this ventilator uses pre-existing components and parts. They don't have to be made from scratch. I- is that accurate? The majority of them, yes. That that is really what gives it the advantage. Uh, when they built this, uh, when they built this thirty years ago. Um, with the exception of the, the, what's, the piston is what um, uh, drives the air into the lung and out of the lung. Um, that is something that has to be specifically machined, but um, that's, that's, that's quite easily done and quite available. Uh, the majority of the rest of the parts uh, are, are, are coin phrase, off, off the shelf and, uh, and not competing. This is what's really important is um, um, the new ventilators that are on the market um, are all competing for the same parts in the supply chain, and um, so the the engineering group uh, that is uh, that is working with this, working on this with us, um, is is really feels fortunate that they're not competing for that supply chain, and they're continuing to try to um, um, build the bill of materials around uh, uh, the availability of, of uh, high quality components. Before we let we go, we got about 30 seconds here. Just want to ask you, it's such an amazing thing that Winnipeg is, your company is being part of. What's the timeline for getting these all out? Uh, what are we talking about in terms of when they might be able to get to hospitals? 
I wish I could. I wish I could give you that that date. It's uh, it's pretty fluid. Um, it's it's going to be. Yeah, I, I I hesitate to give a date, but what I can tell you is that uh, you know if you told me a month ago that we could ever accomplish what we've accomplished so far, I I, I would have told you you're crazy. But uh, people are are really committed to this. All right. Well, Earl Gardner, executive chairman of Winnipeg company Cerebra, thank you so much for joining us to tell us about this exciting news. Much appreciated, sir. You're quite welcome. All right, lines are open, 204-780-6868 for that $50 gift card for Skip the Dishes. Here we go. Here's the question. 93%. What? Well, what song is this? Is this uh, Black... Is this Black Betty? It is. The uh, the the remake. It Who, is. Uh, what's the name of the the band? Spider Bait. Spider Bait. That's right. Awesome. Turn it up a little bit there, Forte. Ninety three percent of households have one of these, and it's almost always located in the kitchen. What is it, Diane? Do you know? A telephone. Not a telephone. Great guess, though. I still remember my mom. Uh, yeah, she being on the phone all the time with the extra long cord that would kind of wrap through the kitchen. Yeah. CJ. <laughs> Hello there, CJ. Do you know what the answer is? Is it a radio or ghetto blaster? Oh, great guess. That's not it. But yeah, I can't. Uh, my dad's always got the radio on in the kitchen. It's always been a radio in the kitchen there. I don't have one, though. <laughs> and I work on the radio. I should, <laughs> I should fix that. Kevin, do you know the answer? Uh, coffee maker. No, no, that's not it. That's also a staple. I'm uh, one of those weirdos who doesn't drink coffee, so I don't have a coffee maker in my place. Jason, do you know what it is? Is it a toaster? No, not a toaster, but I can't imagine life without a oh, toaster. guess. 93% of households have one of these, and it's almost always located in the kitchen. What is it? Bill, what do you think? An oven. An oven. No, that's not it either. Great guess, though. John. Water cooler. A water cooler. No, no. The, 93% for a water cooler, hey? No, that, I would love to have a water cooler, though. Kind of a pain. Actually, you know what? It's kind of a pain lugging those jugs around. I'll just get it. stick with a Brita. Dave. A uh, microwave oven. No, not a microwave. Another great guess, though. I I've, did, I can't remember the last time I used my microwave because I've taken to reheating everything. Like, if I get pizza, I always uh, reheat it in a frying pan. Uh, Matthew. Yes, sir. Do you know what it is? I'm going to guess uh, table and chairs. No, not a table and chairs, uh, but also a great guess. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a hint. It's not an appliance. I guess we'll start there. Hmm. Adam. Okay. Oh, hang on a second. Adam, do you know what it is? It's a clock. No, not a clock. Doreen, do you know what it is? Is it a newspaper? No, not a newspaper. Barbara, 93% of households have one of these. It's almost always located in the kitchen. What is it? A plant. Not a plant. Let's try Trina. A TV. No, not a TV. Brian, do you know what it is? Fire extinguisher. A fire extinguisher. Oh, that should be in every kitchen, but that's not mm, the answer. No kidding. I'm trying to think now, actually, if I have a fire extinguisher in my apartment. I must. Isn't that the law? Not in your suite. Okay. If you don't have your own, then uh, you don't have one, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I think I've got one somewhere. 
I should I should know that. <laughs> I think I have a fire extinguisher. <laughs> Clearly, it's in a good spot. Roger, do you know what it is? I've got the right answer. You've got the right answer? Uh, that is correct, sir. What is it? It's an oddment draw. And uh, say that again? It's an oddment draw, a draw where people keep odds and ends in. Well, I, that's not the terminology that I have in front of me, but that's it. Yeah. A, a junk, junk drawer. drawer. A junk yeah. drawer. A junk drawer. But I like what you called it better, an oddment. Well, of course, it's, it's odds and ends, isn't it? Uh, okay, I'm just looking that up right now. I love it, man. That's great. See, we learn something new every day here on The Start, oh, yeah, and Roger yeah, has yeah. hit if the home If you want to learn something, talk to an Englishman. <laughs> well, maybe maybe one day when this passes, Roger, we'll go for a beer, and you can uh, regale me with all kinds of interesting yeah. stuff at yeah. the King's Head. You know, you know, the saying goes, the saying goes, you can always tell an Englishman, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> Roger. Well done. Congratulations, buddy. I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your information off the air. Yes, a junk drawer. McNabb, do you have a junk drawer in the kitchen? Oh, I got a couple of them. I, feel like, I think they've all turned into junk drawers these days. I opened up a drawer the other day and there was a toque in it. And it was the cutlery <laughs> drawer. And I was like, who the heck put the toque in here? And then I realized it had been me. I'd been carrying all these different things and absentmindedly dropped it in there. So do I have a junk drawer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mackling, what, you, what about you? Oh, at least three. And they are automatically from henceforth. Oddment drawers. I love that. It sounds so classy. Yes. Sounds like you could almost you could almost move in there like a, Plus, an makes, extra bedroom. It's like you need it. It makes it sound like you need it when you put it. If you have a junk drawer, that sounds just no good. But this makes it sound like that's a must-have in the kitchen. Well, and Mackling, you've Almost got a really like a system. You've got a really big junk drawer too that opens uh, the door opens with a remote oh. control, right? When you pull up to it. Oh. Yes, garage, baby. <laughs> Sounds like video game music to me. The World Health Organization says play video games. This week, the WHO recommended playing video games as a way to promote safety and social distancing. They also recommended playing active games as a way to stay healthy. So to get some insight into this, we turn to a great local business here in Winnipeg, PNP Games. And representing PNP Games, Lee the Gaming Guy, whom you might know from appearing from time to time on our friends down the hall at Power 97. We're borrowing Lee today. Good morning, Lee. Hey, hi. How's it going? Good, man. You you requested this music, by the way. What video game was yeah. that? So that that would be the Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That's not specifically what I requested, but that's what you played. And thank you very much for that. <laughs> you didn't say anything from so Sonic, but good for you for recognizing <laughs> the levels. So, uh, Lee, first of all, what's your reaction to this recommendation from the WHO? Because I personally found it rather odd. Yeah, so, you know, weird times and all that, uh, but instead of doing a uh, big Lebowski kind of, hey, that's just their opinion, man, uh, I do have some somewhat of a rant to go on here uh, in that video games are a punching bag when it's convenient for them to be. Uh, so the H, uh, the, the Who, as they were, not to be confused with the band, uh, they worked tirelessly last year uh, to basically classify video games uh, as an addiction publicly as a mental health, health disorder as of last year, uh, and now suddenly it's the healthiest way to stay connected and pass time. We'll let them go on that. I think the issue here is that video gaming belongs to the quote-unquote use 
it's a multi-billion dollar industry that rivals surpasses the movie industry. They don't fully understand it. It confuses them. Therefore, it's bad. Uh, but the medium, medium age of the gamer is getting older all the time. With more parents introducing video games uh, early on as a part of a healthy lifestyle, uh, the hypocrisy uh, that we can look down upon playing a video game for four hours straight, but binge-watching an entire eight-hour series on Netflix is some kind of joke or meme it's kind of very frustrating at this point. Um, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. Well, watching a television program can, can be mindless entertainment at, at times, but video games very rarely are mindlessly. And so Absolutely. this whole... So this whole idea, not only of it keeping your your brain active and moving, and I think we can put the qualifier with anything in this world. Too much of anything is a bad thing, but in moderation, uh, you can find the benefit in, in this without question. My boys, fortunately, are still sleeping. I did not want them to hear this segment. <laughs> so they, they are doing a great job, not only of keeping their minds going and their creativity, because they're into Absolutely. the sports games right now. I mean, you can create... You can create uniforms, you can create stadiums and arenas and, and franchises, like the stuff they do. But what I love most is it's allowing them, because of these uh, entertainment systems now, they have that interactive ability. So they're actually speaking to their friends over their headsets and, and remaining connected with their friends that way. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you, you said it. Uh, the, the extreme example is gaming has been successfully used to treat things like PTSD and anxiety. Uh, it demands so much more of your focus that, like, the handful of minutes, you are completely captivated by it. Uh, think about the closing seconds of a game of Tetris. You are not thinking about your taxes, what someone said behind your back. You are focused on the task at hand, uh, and games have that, that comfort uh, that you see. One of the most popular games being played right now is called Animal Crossing New Horizons. It is a game where you live your life. You are on an island getaway package and trying to pay off your mortgage to a raccoon. It is being played by hundreds of thousands of people right now. It is exactly kind of the breath of fresh air uh, everybody kind of needed on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, gaming's there, and I think we need to remember uh, video games and, and what they offer kind of when these weird times end. Uh, maybe the WHO will kind of look back on video games and be like, hmm, maybe we gave them kind of a, uh, a short stress there. <laughs> Lee, having just a bit of trouble hearing you, so I don't know if you're on a Bluetooth, and if you are, if you can adjust, and if not, we'll just try to work through this. It could be how I'm hearing things on my end, because I'm also sure. working yeah. from home. Let me move to a different uh, room of the house. Just a different room. Sometimes that's the way it goes. I usually just I'm always dropping phones and mics. That's why I'm noisy. But wanted to ask about the about the way we can connect as families because lots of people have the perception that video games can be like this socially um, that you do it all alone all the time. And and my boys have been playing together. They've also been playing with friends. They've even asked to use my phone sometime to FaceTime friends so they can talk and see them while they're playing these games as a way to connect. And so. I'm curious at home, what games you'd recommend for me uh, as a family that might be fun to do together? For sure. Uh, so there is a series called Jackbox, and it is available, I think, on like Apple TV to the major uh, video game consoles. Uh, this is a game you play with your smartphone, and you can play with up to eight players most of these games. There's anything from kind of a Pictionary kind of game to uh, word puzzles, uh, different drawing and acting uh, exercises like that, I highly recommend it. It's called Jackbox. Otherwise, if you have a Nintendo Switch, uh, lots to do on there, of course. Cooking Mama, just <laughs> released, which allows you to make food, take pictures of it for Amazon. Bubble Bobble for Friends just launched as well. Uh, that is a great couch co-op game. The, the Staples Minecraft you may have heard of, uh, still one of the best-selling games. Still a great couch co-op game for families. You can play split-screen, build things. 
tons of options out there. If you do not currently have a video game console, we can talk about that as well. Um, some services like Steam on the PC or uh, the Epic Game Store have a lot of uh, games for, for not very much. We're talking 10 to $20. Uh, a lot of family experiences there, and you can uh, sort by tags and kind of uh, see what you're looking for as well. We've got 60 seconds left here, Lee. How do we take advantage of your business? How do we get games from you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I want to shout out everybody who isn't in the PNP bunker uh, at home working uh, shipping tirelessly from pnpgamesonline.com. We're offering free shipping on any order within the provinces of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Free anywhere in Canada, over a 50 Canadian dollar order. Uh, not only do we have video games new and used on there, we carry puzzles, board games, office supplies, headsets, and mice if you need for working from home. Uh, so please take advantage of that. We are going to be working there as long as it makes sense to. All right. Lee, the gaming guy from PNP Games. Again, that website is pnpgamesonline.com. Uh, Lee, I'll just quickly mention, though, I remember when I went into your store, one of your stores a few years ago, I went in looking for one game. And I walked for sure. I went, and that one Nintendo game, and I think I walked out with eight. So, well, that's uh, the beauty of the web store, too. It's just all right there. You just type it in. Okay. It's waiting for you. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me, Lee. Hey, thanks for joining us. Good to hear no, from you again. You. Okay. Absolutely. Lee, the gaming guy, PNP Games. Against all odds, a Super Bowl-level event in sports entertainment is taking place this weekend. With that in mind, producer Kyle explains, eventually, why wrestling is keeping him engaged during these times of isolation. I call it the backlog of boredom. It's your go-to to-do list when there's nothing else to do. Maybe you've got a stack of trashy novels you finally plan on reading. Maybe you'll finally beat that video game that you rage quit three years ago. Or maybe you'll finally figure out the correct order to watch the Star Wars saga in. New Hope, Rogue One, Empire, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Solo, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker, in my humble opinion. But that's not the point of why I am talking to you. What have I turned to in times of boredom? Or in this latest case, isolation? My first answer has always been wrestling. It's a new day, yes it is! And I will argue that wrestling is a unique and varied hobby. Where else can you see a wrestler known as The Undertaker throw another wrestler named Mankind off a 30-foot cage known as the Hell in a Cell? see major celebrities win championship belts. Movie stars like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, John Cena, and David Arquette. It's a dark period in wrestling history, but it did happen. What's going on here? David Arquette won the world title. Where else can you see a man dress up as a doctor in order to beat up his boss? Looks just fine to me. How about you, doctor? Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. What I am trying to say is that wrestling has the wacky storytelling of a good soap opera. If there's a wedding or a contract signing, look out. They literally never go well. And you combine that with jaw-dropping feats of athleticism. Plus with, air quotes, predetermined outcomes, not fake by the way, you'll always be sure to get your money's worth. Here comes the money! Here we go! 
So besides the very transparent act of me trying to get all of you to like the thing that I like, why am I talking about wrestling? Well, the Super Bowl of wrestling, WWE's WrestleMania, is taking place this weekend. And folks, it is going to be weird. Time to play the game! The 36th edition of WrestleMania was supposed to take place Sunday at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. For reasons I don't need to explain, it will be taking place at the WWE Performance Center in nearby Orlando, Florida, in front of no fans. Now, empty arena matches have taken place before, but having an entire event, not to mention the premier event of the WWE's calendar, is going to be an interesting experience to say the least. So, what can you expect from WrestleMania 36? Well, for the first time, it will be spread out across two nights, both Saturday and Sunday, mostly to prevent fatigue. Previous WrestleManias have topped the seven-hour mark. There will be some matches featuring very big names of both past and present. The Undertaker... The Undertaker will be fighting in a Boneyard match, whatever that is, also, John Cena, Goldberg, WWE Champion Brock Lesnar, Edge, and Charlotte Flair, daughter of the greatest of all time, Ric Flair, will all be fighting either Saturday or Sunday. We like to figure ourselves right into the action. If it's here and you want it, woo, come and get it, because we're in town for a party, Daddy. Woo! So you might be asking, where can I watch this fantastic event? First off, excellent question you need to subscribe to the WWE Network. You can head to WWE.com and get yourself a 30-day free trial. And that membership includes a huge library of past events, including every single WrestleMania. So however you spend your isolation time, I hope you get as much joy out of it as I do. But this weekend, and most weekends, you know where I'll be. Should also note the Florida governor recently issued a stay-at-home order. WrestleMania was taped before that order was issued, and I, I'm I I don't watch wrestling like I used to. I'll tune in occasionally. I went to the show when Monday Night Raw was here in Winnipeg, but I it was pointed out to by my buddy Burkus yesterday. He said yesterday was 19 years since WrestleMania X7 in Houston, which the two of us went to. Uh, WrestleMania, for me, I always wanted to see one, and when I finally did, it was just spectacular. If you're a wrestling fan, it doesn't get any bigger than WrestleMania. So the idea that it's going to be performed not in front of a crowd is so bizarre because the fans are so integral in making wrestling fun. That's That's part of the show is the fans. So... Yeah, it's going to be a bizarre uh, event, to say the least, Greg. Yeah, no question about it. I confess to not watching wrestling for at least three decades now, but uh, I do understand the attraction, and uh, I, I certainly did enjoy it uh, in my late teens. I had a, a buddy who's no longer with us anymore. His name was Doug, and and uh, he was a little bit of a bodybuilder, weightlifter guy. And when we watched wrestling together, it was as entertaining to watch him watch it as it was to actually watch the wrestling itself. So I, I indulged him because I, I appreciated his love of it, and I know there's lots of you out there that uh, absolutely love the wrestling.
McNabb, did you ever watch any wrestling? Were you a fan of like the Ultimate Warrior or the Macho Man? Yeah, back in the day, I was a big fan of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So we used to get up for the Saturday morning wrestling to watch that. Uh, and I think that would have been late 80s, I'm guessing, yeah. maybe, or mid 80s. But I think this just speaks to a bigger idea. Even if you're not interested or you're semi-interested, we're all doing things, watching things that we weren't before with great shame. I watched the other day with the kids trying to find that balance of not always watching cartoons and, you know, those kinds of things. Found ourselves watching that masked singer, which <laughs> God forbid has Jenny McCarthy on it, who I support in nothing and watched the entire. And I was like, I, I have to, I feel like I have to make a culpa this. I felt so awful and stupid for watching that show, but you know, here we are. These are, these are strange times. So you just might find me watching some WrestleMania this weekend. Did you enjoy the masked singer? I'm not going to say I didn't roll into a second episode, Brett. Not going <laughs> to say that didn't happen. Again, full of shame. Full yeah. of shame. It is the, have you seen that thing? It's the worst show. It's They put on these weird outfits, sing, and these guys all guess which celebrity it is. It defies. It's just, oh, it's gross. <laughs> if you want to be freaked out, look up the one with Sarah Palin. Oh, good. That is that is, uh, yeah, it actually ends up. Um, you know what? As we were talking about wrestling, I look over my shoulder, and you know what's on my shelf? I'm actually holding it in my hand now. You know those Funko Pop figurines? Yep. I've got one of Kenny Omega. His He is number zero one in this particular series of Funko Pop figurines. So I guess I am a little bit of a closet wrestle, wrestling fan after well, all. Well, you are a Winnipeg fan, and Kenny Omega is a Winnipegger, and he is one of the biggest wrestling names on planet Earth alongside fellow Winnipegger Chris Jericho. So good for you for having that. I had no idea that you had yourself one of those. Oh, yeah, I snagged it the minute I saw it. Ackling McGarry, McNabb, and money. Yes, we are talking money, 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 because uncertainty is becoming all too common a word attached with far too many aspects of our life these days. With the economic turmoil attached to COVID-19, many of us have seen our work lives turned upside down. Whether you've lost your job altogether or you had your workplace closed temporarily or you've seen a dramatic shift on how you're operating, nothing is the same as it was three weeks ago. And we know there are businesses out there that are also just asking employees to take pay cuts so that you might still have a job, but you might not be getting paid the same. We are seeing record unemployment, people who are struggling to pay their rent and businesses on the edge of existence. Existence. Uh, I think we can face it. It's a stressful time for far too many of us, Greg. No question about it. And under usual circumstances, our next guest fills the airways with positivity when we discuss the, the difficult topic of personal finance. She is a best-selling author, highly respected keynote speaker, media personality, and FP Canada consumer advocate. Kelly Keene joins us now. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, my friends. I wish it were under better circumstances, but I hope that you're all well, and we're lucky to have you on the airwaves to uh, provide reassurance and, and keep us up to date, because my goodness, if we didn't have media right now, um, it would make the situation so much worse. Oh, it's kind of you to say apologies for the ominous introduction, Kelly, but this is the reality for, for millions of Canadians right now. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it really is. Uh, uh, it's, it, it, I, can't, I still I stutter at the fact that three weeks ago was such a different world. Today, um, the latest numbers I have are, are 2.13 million people have applied for employment insurance. Uh, as of this morning, the Canadian Bankers Association reports that a half a million Canadians have applied to defer their mortgages. When I talked to the Canadian Bankers Association a couple of days ago, that number last week was 213,000. Just to give you some perspective, they knew that it would grow this week, but for it to balloon to a half a million uh, Canadians applying for this with their banks, um, I think it shows that there's a lot of people needing a lot of help. How do we protect ourselves during this troubling time? That is a great question, Brett. There's so many things that we need to do to protect ourselves uh, when it comes to cash flow in hands, when it comes to ensuring that you're not clicking on a phishing link that is trying to tell you that your government money is available earlier than it is, and actually it's a fraudster trying to um, hit you just when you're down. Uh, it, it's, it's tough because people are at home, the kids are at home, maybe your, your spouse, maybe you even have parents around you, and you're trying to carve out some sanity as you're dealing with your financial crisis as well as during this health crisis. Um, you have to be so careful that you have accurate information that if you are talking to your bank and deferring your payments, you're getting things in writing, um, you know, now is not the time to worry about the future. But having said that, you also want to make sure you aren't doing things that are going to really hurt your future that you didn't have to do, such as maybe cashing in your RSP or going for a payday loan. You want to be careful that what you're doing now um, is, is, is helpful, but it also isn't incredibly hurtful in, in the coming weeks and months. So I think part of the questions many people might have, Kelly, is, is where to start. And it depends, I, get, I know, on where you're at in this crisis. You might have already lost your job or you might be worried about losing your job. But does it start with asking questions? I know myself just tried to phone the bank the other day and I was on hold, I think it was for an hour and a half. But the second time I called again, the wait times were three hours. I mean, you have to have pack a lot of patience if you want to get those questions in. But is the bank the first place I should be going to start that conversation? Yeah, Loren, that's a really good point. I've heard like seven-hour wait times, eight-hour wait times. I, I think part of it, too, is understanding that um, I read a recent article with uh, the CEO of, of CIBC, Victor Dottage, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, they've got 40,000 employees and 20,000 of them are at home. So uh, and nothing's perfect right now, and, I, I, and it's really difficult when you're already stressed uh, to be waiting on hold like that, but I think we all have to be patient and realize at all organizations, government and banks are doing the best that they can. So here's what you need to do. Make a list of every single bill you've got. If it's a mortgage, if it's a rent payment, if it's utilities, uh, if it's credit cards, and then figure out who's going to work with you. So yeah, it might be a day or two of getting on the phone, talking to your banker, um, if you've got a certified financial planner, talk to them, please, before you cash in RSPs, because you're going to lose the room, you're going to be taxed. Um, that's the, one of your last case scenarios. Same with the payday loan, last case scenario. So then you want to get on the phone, too, with your utility companies. Um, I don't know what specifically Winnipeg is doing, but I know a lot of cities have deferred property taxes. Uh, you can defer paying your corporate taxes, your personal taxes. So you just want to figure out where does money have to go in the next month or two and who's going to work with you. And then you can figure out 
what you need to do, who's going to defer payments, and where you can get cash in your hands. Again, check your provincial support. Um, I'm calling you from Alberta today. We have some emergency bridge financing to the tune of around $1,200. I don't know what Manitoba has. Um, But if you're looking for links and resources, the Canada.ca is actually quite fantastic. If you're looking for government resources there, federal ones, right at the top you're going to see a banner for COVID um, resources. And I've also got lots on my blog as well at kellykeen.com slash blog. I've got all the provincial um, information on there as well. Kelly, we we knew that uh, a lot of Canadians were one paycheck or two paychecks away from being what we would consider insolvent. So if you're in that situation, you've got credit card debt, you've got uh, you've got utilities, you've got to pay for shelter, you've got a vehicle. I would never, under normal circumstances, ask you this question. You might be uncomfortable answering it. But if I have to make a priority list of who I'm going to simply tell I'm not paying uh, and live with the consequences later, how do I build that list? Yeah, and that, that's a very valid question, Greg. It's an important one. So, again, you want to talk first to all of your creditors because if you can defer that is so much better than just not paying because if you just go, well, I'm just not going to pay that minimum payment on the credit card or the mortgage or what have you, number one, if it's an automatic payment, it's now going to bounce. It's going to go back NSF. You're probably going to have a $100 charge. You don't want to start doing that on your loans and things of that sort. So get on, see if you can get them to defer it. Um, If you also have an agreement with your lender, your bank, your credit card company that it is a deferral, Make sure you get that in writing. Make sure if you can't get it in writing, you write down who you spoke to, what time it was, all that type of stuff. Email yourself the details so you've got that because if it is agreed as a deferral, they should not be reporting it against your credit report to hurt it. So first you just, I know this is really hard, guys. Like who wants to call up and say that you can't pay? Who wants to talk to your landlord and say that you can't pay? But maybe... If your landlord is a smaller landlord and they're putting pressure on you for rent, maybe they can defer their mortgage with the bank and give you a little bit of breathing room. I've been hearing a lot of great stories about that, where landlords are passing on the fact that they can maybe defer their mortgage payments. Um, it really is just, again, figuring out who's going to work with you, but don't just not pay and, and, and do it on your own. And if you really, really, really can't do this, it's just maybe you're just taxed Mentally, this is just so hard for people to deal with. Reach out to a nonprofit credit counselor. Get on the phone with them. They can help give you some direction as well. And what about for people who are sitting at home bored, trying to figure out how to pass the time? I bet you a lot of people right now are maybe spending more money on frivolous stuff than they normally would, right? Well, I heard a stat this week, Brett, that uh, Canadians have spent five times their usual amount on groceries alone, and there's a lot of panic buying and things of that sort. Um, I tried to order some stuff on Amazon a couple of times. It, the, 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 the delivery estimate was like over a month. So um, some stuff, yes, you could be using that boredom to unfortunately rack up some buying, but actually I, I, I've... I've had, I guess it depends where you are in the country, but I've even had a difficult time ordering groceries for my mom, uh, things of that sort. Everyone is so taxed. But, yeah, it's using this time to get back to what is important. Um, we're going to get through this, but, but don't be silent um, if you're having a hard time. There's folks out there to help you. 
And proactive, I would think, Kelly, you mentioned making that list and going through what you might have for bills that would come in and out and payments. You're not just speaking to those who already are experiencing some of the worst stress of their lives. You're talking about the idea that everyone, even if you're still employed right now, should be taking stock of what they have because we don't know what's happening next. Absolutely, Loren. Like, I mean, I've been talking to people. I've been reaching out. They're like, I thought my job was guaranteed. I thought my business was ironclad. I have contracts that are signed, but the business that they're signed with isn't answering the phone. They're not around. So this is unprecedented in the type of, um, you know, slap in the face of, wow, like you thought you were doing well. and, And if you weren't doing well, it's even more difficult to navigate through this. So, yeah, it's just really like figuring out, even if your job is safe and you have any inclination that it might not be, it still doesn't hurt to get on the phone and talk to your banker. Now, if you can make your payments, by all means, please make your payments, pay your taxes. If you can, do it. But if you have any inkling that, you know, your emergency savings is dwindling or it's just non-existent, then you need to figure out how to get as much cash in your hands because we really don't know how long this is going to last. Kelly Keene is a best-selling author, a highly respected keynote speaker, a media personality, and an FP Canada consumer advocate. Her website, kellykeen.com. Kelly, thank you so much for the visit. Always great chatting with you. Thank you, my friend. Stay safe. Stay well. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.